Welcome back to the Charged Up Show. This episode was brought to you by 519 Sports Online. 519 is a positive promotional platform which brings you highlights and interviews from your favorite teams across the region. Make sure to check out their social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and be sure to like and subscribe to 519's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash 519 Sports Online. Thank you to Darren and his team for supporting the Charged Up Show. Please welcome, on a very special edition of the Charged Up Show, Rob Shrimp. So, we'll get right into it, Rob. Obviously, you're a big name for us, it's a big deal for us, but we do have a local sponsor called 519, and they kind of go through um, local sports teams and stuff, just trying to promote, and so we do we around to get to know the person. So, we're cool. just going to ask you a bunch of questions, well, Keith and Nathan will, and you just got to answer as fast as you can. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, do you want to kick it off first, Keith? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kick this off. This is a pretty tough question right off the bat, but uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what you got to say. But first question is Canada versus the U.S. Which one did you prefer living in? Uh, for hockey, Canada. All right. Uh, what was your favorite uh, year of hockey? Uh, 0405, London Knights. Favorite arena you've ever played in? Uh, Madhouse in Chicago was amazing. Montreal was electric too. Those two are the toss up. Oh, okay. Um, favorite place you've been to? Switzerland. Switzerland. Coolest jersey in the NHL all time? All time. Um, big fan of the Blackhawks. I think it's the third jersey. They're black ones. Yeah. They're, they're really those are sick. sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. Do you snowboard or ski at all? If what, ski. which one you ski? Do you prefer yeah. prefer that? Hit the slopes yeah. at all in Switzerland? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a national team break, so there's a chance to get out and go out. And uh, my wife uh, skied for a long time growing up, so she was a competitive skier. So oh, cool, awesome. What's the biggest fish you've ever caught? If you do fish, uh, five pound largemouth bass. Ooh, nice, nice. Wow, that's <laughs> okay. Big, big bass. It's a good pull. <laughs> um, favorite spot in Europe. Favorite spot in Europe, uh, Zurich is beautiful, and Stockholm. Oh, okay. Sweden? Tough, tough to pick between two. Name one of the biggest inspirations growing up in hockey. Uh, t- Matt Murley. All right. Nice, nice, nice. Timmy's or Duncan? Uh, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Double-double, man. Those, <laughs> those things get you fired up. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a quick shot of energy. <laughs> Did you actually like Pink Whitney? I never tried it. Yeah. Oh, I have not tried it. Ooh. I haven't, got it. I haven't got a chance yet. Is it not open? I, enough, I guess then? No, they don't have it yet. So maybe I'll help Wit, Wit and Biz get their product over here. Sounds good. Yeah. So that leads us right into um, kind of where we're starting. And, um, Obviously, we'll go with the current now. And what's what's it been like? Obviously, it's pretty cool for us that like Spit and Chickles is one of our big um, influences and stuff. And how we like I got into podcasts listening to them. How cool was it to be on that? Obviously, it's such a big hockey platform. And then how crazy has it been since then? Right. So it's a big deal, I'm sure. And you're getting a lot of messages from everyone. Yeah. No, just had a post too. What's that? They just had like a recent post too, tweeting you yeah, out. Yeah, your tweet. Well. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was uh, stoked. Yeah, it was great to get on. Those guys are awesome. I think their show is it was pretty edgy, and it's they've really carved out a nice niche for themselves. And uh, yeah, they're one of the top podcasts out there. Um, I think it's I think it's great they get guys on and they kind of talk openly and they you know they have that kind of setting where guys can tell some different kind of stories. You know, it's not the same same as as everything else. Where I feel like the guys kind of let loose a little bit on that podcast. Like I mean, the interviews that they get, they kind of speak real stories and talk. So it was fun to be on that. It was great. And then, yeah, it's, it's been super busy after. So getting a lot of uh, messages for podcasts and, and I, uh, I own an online coaching platform. So that's helped out a lot with that with people kind of recognizing who we are and what we're up to. So oh, cool. uh, it was a huge, they got the, the old expression, the chicklets bump is a, is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Obviously we know it's your wife's birthday, so we won't keep you too long. Um, and still the currents obviously you ended up in and you're in latvia now um how do you want to give us a quick backstory to how you ended up in latvia and how you ended up uh, creating the skills corporation yeah so i played in the khl uh for denomo riga and as i actually kind of it's really bizarre that i met my wife here there's a short stint here i lasted four months um and i ended up getting moved moved on so i met her inside that time frame and we stuck together and it was uh yeah it's kind of We've been together ever since and this we always come back for the summers and then this year it was kind of like let's let's get out of here because it was kind of a mess in the states and what was going on it was uh tough to see what was going on and, and Latvia is a smaller country smaller population so it's a lot safer it still is a lot safer uh the numbers are i mean we're talking they're having a, a, a big uptick and there's like 40 people a day i mean to think there's there's thousands in the states so it's, oh, it's a much sure. safer environment for our family and that's how i got here um you know with the company I started 44 vision hockey. It was, uh, I was working with some players through a uh, platform called Instat going through their game film and just put my insight into it and giving them, you know, how I saw the game and what they could maybe, you know, do differently or add to their game. And it, it had some, uh, some great feedback. And from there I built out a, a stable coaches, so to speak, about 36 coaches now that all played professional hockey and a lot of women's side of it as well. We have a four or five Olympic women uh, team members on there. And then we have four or five NWHL women's on there. So it's a chance to grow the game of hockey in a lot of different aspects. Um, that's, it's been great. I mean, the, the feedback's been amazing and getting a chance to uh, get some film for a couple of buddies of mine that are pretty big NHL name guys. And their, their uh, feedback was, was really inspiring and gave me a lot of confidence to take this lane and, and build a business out of it. Yeah, that's great to hear. That's awesome. And when did you start it? Launched it in in May. Wow, that's super impressive that you're so big already. Yeah, it was it was it's gone quick. It's been a lot's happened in, in six seven months. And uh, my business partner, Dave Cochran, it's just been a lot of. He's a he's the back end guy of it, and he's a logistics guy, and he's really been a huge mentor for me and helped me on the business side of things and learn a lot and also build a company. So I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. That's for sure. I would have been uh, <laughs> yeah swinging missing at a lot of things. So. He's been a huge support beam for this company and for myself. And uh, my thing is just getting people, coaches wise, get us to the platform, get us some recognition, and then share my knowledge and his his side of it is really he's an expert in the back end of it. So that's awesome, it's been great, cool. And you definitely got like a long long way to ro- to go, right? Like it just started, but uh, that's I'm excited to see how that goes and where where you continue to take that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's really exciting. We're getting more and more people are coming to the platform and using the coaches and some of the coaches that we're getting on now are, are awesome. 
great resources for the players. And then also, you know, it's kind of uh, spinning into other avenues for us as far as, you know, helping coaches out, um, you know, scouting and then advising. So it's really evolving. It's really young, but there's been a lot going on. It's been a busy time. So it's, it's not a bad problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess yeah. kind of to, to transition a little bit, using the show, we kind of, you know, ask the guests, you know, how did, how, how was hockey like right from the beginning? So I understand you, uh, you grew up in New York state. So how was, how was hockey kind of, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands for you? Like, how did you kind of, you know, got introduced to the game and what was your kind of first experience? Yeah, my cousins play by his, uh, Jeff and Chris are my cousins, shrimp, and they were about, I think about 12, 13 years older. And Chris is maybe a little bit over 16 years older. So they were, we were, my brother and I were about four and seven. And we, you know, just really started watching them play high school hockey. It was, gave us a lot of, uh, and we looked up to them and wanted to do what they did. So that, that was kind of our introduction. My uncle Mike was coaching hockey. Uh, we were more geared. We did everything. We wrestled, played basketball, um, pretty much every sport, but hockey finally took its path with us probably around started at four. And then by six or seven, we were really diving into it. Um, and that my cousins really were the motivators cause they were the ones that played my, uh, Chris went to, uh, Brown university, played hockey there and, uh, Jeff played all the way through high school and then wound up playing lacrosse. So they were influences pretty big on us, especially uh, my brother and I both played lacrosse too. Oh, okay. so we followed their stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's from, we had a great setup. Uh, Don Kernan came and took over the rink in my hometown when I was, uh, probably 10, 11 years old. And that's really when my game kind of went from just playing that local almost house league to uh, travel AAA and going to Canada. Right. Um, a lot of it had to do with him. Him and his son taught me a lot about hockey. And that's when Matt Murley and Tim Conley were kind of around in the Syracuse area. Oh, okay. And they, they were very big resources for us. They were like, Timmy Conley was insane at hockey at, at that. He was 14 or 15 at that time, really big name. He, he, uh, he played in Syracuse for the Syracuse crunch. And that coach, the coach Tim, was the guy that took over the rink. So you see where that resource kind of, I was very fortunate to have that resource sure. uh, land on my doorstep. Yeah. Um, and that kind of took off from there. It was kind of a wild ride. <laughs> as far as your development sure. was, like, when did you get this insane skill? Like, talking, uh, even talking to my dad, he was like, he was like, it was amazing the skill you had in junior and pro and wherever. When did that kind of develop? Were you always above everyone else growing up from right when you were seven or? Were you like, when did that come along? When did you realize, wow, I'm pretty good at this? I was, I was very, honestly, very, very average up till about nine, 10 years old. And uh, when Don Curran took over that rink, I spent a lot of time there. I, I spent a ton of time there. Uh, I just worked with his son, Donnie Curran Jr., who's between Don and his son, Donnie Curran Jr., uh, I think they're some of the smartest hockey minds in, in the game as far as offense. Donnie Kern Jr., he shoots a puck better than anybody I've ever seen in the world. And I've played against a lot of, you know, I've been a lot of places, so it's not somewhere where it's just throwing that out there lightly. Yeah. Uh, like, he literally shoots the puck better than anyone I've seen. <laughs> and i played in all the leagues. So he taught me how to shoot, which gave me a lot of confidence, and it gave me a lot of, uh, 12, you know, 10, 11, I started to get that shooting part of it down. And then Don, his dad, was like a very smart man as far as cycling the puck and offensive abilities and how to attack the net. So I had strategy on offense, and then I could score from anywhere because of those guys. And that gave me – that's just really what bolstered my game. And then, you know, the skill kind of followed it. I played a lot of lacrosse. So lacrosse 
I always talk about lacrosse with hockey. I think it's so important because it's all the same, uh, same tangibles. Your hands, the way they work with a lacrosse stick, if you put them down to the ice, it's the same kind of motions. When you go to take a shot in lacrosse, you have to transfer weight. You know, weight transfer is a huge thing. Same thing with hockey. Um, so a lot of that transitioned over as I was started playing. It's, it was called Bull Lacrosse or Brian Lacrosse League. Yeah. And then I kind of combined the two at like 11 years old. And then my game really started getting better and better. And I started playing, you know, just started kind of, just, I wouldn't say gradually climbing the ladder. It was over two years. I really climbed the ladder, taking big steps. Right. Yeah. Now being so, in the States, it's always like the OHL is a big thing, but it, did you always have the dream of going to the OHL or did you have NCAA in your mind? Cause those are two, two big routes you could take for sure. We were kind of, we were really naive, our family, about the actual hockey culture and what, what was what. The only reason why we knew about the OHL was Tim Conley. So he was 82 born, about four years older than I was. So he, he really blazed the path for me. Um, watching what he did, he was a high pick in the OHL and then he got drafted in the NHL. So when he got drafted in the NHL, I was about 14. It started to be like, oh, I want to do what Timmy did sort of thing. But it was, it was more just kind of playing and developing and, uh, for me, luckily, I had Don Kern again, had a junior team right in Syracuse that played out of Ontario, uh, the Ontario Provincial League. It used to be called the Metro League back in the day, but it changed over to the Ontario Provincial. And that, that gave me a chance to go up into Canada and play a pretty OHL-stylish game on every weekend. Um, that league was kind of tailored towards that. And that kind of made me realize that's, that was kind of the route I wanted to take. And um, I was kind of taking, you know, I was progressing pretty fast. And at 14, I had a really good season in that league. Uh, I was like top, I think I was top three in the league in points. And then the next year I led the league in points. So oh, wow. for me, the college route was like, I got to play three more years at this level. I felt like I want to take the next step. The next step would be, yeah. would be OHL. So it was kind of how that's how it went. And it just, I had kind of, I was progressing so fast at a young age. It was kind of, we were looking at 18. And again, we didn't know anything about hockey. So it's like at 14, it's like, this is realistic. You know, I could be in the O and then maybe in the NHL at 18, it, it happened very fast. And it was yeah. kind of like, it's a whirlwind, for sure. For sure. Like, going through yeah, all that motion, that's crazy. Go ahead, no, it's all good. I was just commenting, like, for sure, like, I couldn't even imagine, like, going through all that motioning, right? Like, for, like from the States, moving to NHL, or OHL, sorry. And like you said, like, the top goal, goal scorer, I feel like some people think OHL is, like, a lot of, like, point-driven league, right? So, obviously, if you were in those, you know, top 10, you'd be going somewhere afterwards, right? Yeah, the dream is kind of being more realistic. I came from a very, very small town. And when I was going through all this stuff as a player, like progression and, and things were kind of happening in the hockey world for me, there's people in my hometown that were like, they wouldn't believe it or, or didn't believe it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, whatever kind of thing. And yeah. you know, I was getting taken to dinner by Bobby Orr and Mike Barnett did a movie with Wayne Gretzky when I was 12. And things were happening in the hockey world. And in my little town, everyone was like, get out of here kind of you know what I mean? like yeah it's crazy it's kind of a pipe dream so it was unique you know people couldn't really believe what was going on and neither, honestly neither could we it was it was <laughs> out of our we didn't know any better yeah um but it was fun it was definitely a really cool drive a really cool ride i should say yeah so obviously we want to spend a decent amount of time on the ohl because we're such probably i have the majority of our guests are ohl players obviously it's uh, pretty big on the podcast and a lot of local guys and stuff. And like we said, the NCAA OHL, you were like listening to the Spit and Chickles episode. It seemed like you were clearly wanting to go to the OHL and you clearly made the right decision having 74 points in a, as a rookie. 
<laughs> how was that jumping to the OHL and having that much success? Like that's that doesn't happen too often, very rarely. It was yeah, it was a it was a big adjustment to be honest with you. In the beginning, I, I was I went from being a, a point player, like a point guy, like really producing a lot of points from eleven to fifteen years old, and then sixteen I went to, to the OHL. And I, my first month, I was slumping hard. I think I had like two points, and that was very. Uh, very rare for me. Like I was always used to putting up points, you know, two, three games max, I would go without a point. And, uh, you know, I had Steve Ludzik there as my coach, my rookie year, and he's a huge, huge, uh, huge resource for me. Huge. I really appreciated Steve a lot. He taught me a ton about off the ice, um, off the ice, what that transitions to on the ice, as far as work ethic, being in the gym. You know, I came into my first rookie camp, uh, really, I was out of shape. I didn't even know what off ice was, to be honest with you. And he, he kicked my ass and put me in shape. And, and then it's, it all transitioned, it all translated. As soon as I started getting better shape, I started being way more effective on the ice and it, and it opened my eyes to like, okay, this is what it takes. And he was really patient with me too, um, which helped a lot. There was not a ton of pressure on me. Um, you know, we had Patrick O'Sullivan there at the time. It's a really, really good hockey player, uh, veterans, Greg Jacina, um, Dan Siska. So there was a lot of, uh, support as far as creating offense and it wasn't laid just on my but it, i did take it like you know i have my own drive i, I hated not scoring not having points but yeah eventually once i started to feel better on the ice it transitioned really well and i wound up having a really good season you know from probably november or december on i was really having an impact on the game, on most games and it was a nice combo having sully for the first line center and i would be able to come out on the second line we'd be really hammering teams and that, at that time mississauga was you know, they had a lot of losing teams before that season. So people were kind of didn't realize what we had uh, as far as the team and kind of didn't give us much respect. And then in January, February, they started to have a little more respect. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. it, up, it was, for sure. it was fun to be part of that. Cause it was a good energy. It was, you know, changing the culture for, for organization. Yeah. And uh, it was fun to be a part of because Ludzi was awesome, man. He was one of those coaches that would, you know, you go through the wall for him and uh, so competitive and uh, yeah, you let you love a guy like that behind your bench. And then as that leads into the, the trade request to go to the London Knights, and um, that's we don't need to know the nitty-gritties, but what were like some little things where you thought you needed to change the scenery? And was that a you're requesting to go to a top team or you're just trying to go anywhere? Yeah, so they changed over management uh, in the summertime, and then the new ones came in, and it was it, I, there was so much friction. It was un, so uncomfortable. Uh, the stuff that was going on, it was really uncomfortable. And it got to a point where it was like, this is draft year. I, I really didn't like the distraction of it. It was on a daily basis, really negative, negative, negative. And I, I just, you know, my agent's advice was let's we'll get out of there then. So followed that along with, you know, turns out that was actually like a huge red flag uh, going in draft year, just randomly d- demanding a trade at it, you know. It is what it is. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, on a daily basis for me, it was really uncomfortable. There was so much friction. I didn't understand it and I didn't ask for it. <laughs> didn't want it, but it was presented. And what do you do? I mean, you can stick it out again. You, you worked all your, all that time from 11 to now six, 16, 17 years old to make it to this stage. You get to that stage right before it, And there's this hurdle that's thrown in front of you. And how do you react? You don't, yeah. I mean, our, our reaction yeah. was, okay, we'll go somewhere else because it clearly didn't feel wanted there, which is bizarre being a first overall draft pick the year before. 
it's kind of like really where's this coming from mm-hmm. and then to ask for the trade it really it put a you know kind of a red flag up for me Greg Gilbert said that even he's like Trimpy I, I really appreciate you and I, I understand what kind of situation you're in he's like it's fun to let you know this will raise red flags and he was honest with me and he was a great guy about it and he was right uh, so that was that and it wasn't uh it's unfortunate really Sucked. It would have been nice to stay in one place. I wish Ledzi would have been there. That they, you know, they changed management, they changed everything. So someone else bought the team, and then wholesale. Yeah. Uh, well, the good part of that is if uh, if you never if that would never happen, you would never have made this London or been on this London team, which is a whole has a bunch of stories in itself for sure. Yeah. No, it was great. It was. It just it, for that. My even the first year in London, it was. A lot of flags and a lot of it was it was a long year i'll say that draft year was a really long year for me so uh it was really nice and then that year in the playoffs we lost game seven to guelph and we we actually you know we thought we had a better team and just came up short i think we underestimated them and we came up short so that gave us fuel for our tank the next season when we ended up winning the mem cup we had a really unbelievable season as far as broke a lot of records and, and came out i mean we went up 31 games on the first start the season oh geez and a lot of that was the fuel from the year before we were so kind of pissed off or whatever about we thought we should have made the bank up excuse me and uh you know so uh, everything happens for a reason and it was maybe a positive thing it was tough to take though you go into the draft you want to also yeah. have that long playoff run and make it to the mem cup and you know a couple more uh chances to present yourself at a, at a high uh you know not a high level but in a playoff setting you know and try to bring a mem cup home it would have been a nice feather in the cap for for draft year yeah definitely yeah so let's let's talk about that wagon team right we got about 20 minutes left a little bit under that so we need to hit these big teams let's talk about that wagon Corey perry i don't know a bunch of other players on that team how awesome how much fun was it to play on that team that always wins yeah it was it was amazing there was zero stress on the way to the rink every time and I mean, like every game, we, you had a swagger to you and a confidence. And it wasn't, uh, it's not that we didn't earn it either. We earned it. We showed up and played every night. And uh, you always had support. So, again, there was not one guy that was relied on, so to speak. But Paris really carried the load, to be honest with you. Wasn't expected or it didn't, you know, he didn't have to, but he was so competitive. And seeing his progression from the year, first year I was there to the next year, it was, it was unbelievable to see the step that he took. And it was, it was very evident. Uh, the year before, he was a really good hockey player. Uh, the year we lost to Guelph, and the following year after that, the year we won the Mem Cup, he was the best hockey player. Uh, he was sick every single night. So it was fun to show up. You guys like Danny Sivret, he had like a 65, 70-point season. Brian Rodney, there were so many guys that were doing great things, playing great hockey. Yeah. Uh, Danny Fritchie, there was David Boland. Like, you go down the list, and everybody showed up. Everybody performed at the same time and as a unit. It was really tough to beat us. Um, it, I mean, we only lost seven games that year, it was, and it was three of them. I think were when the guy we were all at World Junior, so it wasn't our full squad. It would have been amazing to see what we could have done four years. Do you ago. got Do you got any good Corey Perry stories for us? He's obviously just playing in the finals. Uh, you know, they showed his little superstition thing the other day on TV. He did the same exact thing in junior. <laughs> really? He says he got these little quirks and he had all these pregame routines. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes we try to screw him a little bit, but not very nice of us. But uh, nothing crazy. You know, Perry's a quiet guy and comes every night to compete. And, you know, he's 
absolutely. The guys won everything you could possibly win. <laughs> I mean, World Juniors, BEM Cup, what else is there? Well, World Championships, Stanley Cup, Olympics. I mean, the guys, he shows up. So he was, I don't have any, that's some of the positive story. The one time he fought Mike Richards after World, the year they fought. I was going to ask you about that fight. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome because the game before that, Richie did the same, same stuff. He was like cross-checking pairs really bad at the end of the game. And it was like the ref didn't protect Paris. So then next time he did it again, that very next game, Paris. So, I mean, that's, that's him. He showed up and yeah. Richie wanted to poke the cat. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> that was, I, that was one of my next questions. And I've seen that fight a million times. Obviously we're, we're more Rangers fans growing up Rangers fans, but how nuts was that? Like, or were you, I'm assuming you're on the bench for that kind of line brawl or you weren't already in it, but like those are two of the best junior hockey players. They both go into the NHL. Like, how cool is that to watch? It was great at home. You know, is that at home? Paris showed up. He doesn't even do it in the corner. He takes it all the way out to center. Right? Yeah, they <laughs> went all the way. Right. It's like big optic. You know, it was a big uh, show and everything. And, and it was a pretty good tilt. You know, nobody got hurt, which is great. And and it was just two you know top guys on each team. And that's playoff hockey. You know, it's just the way she goes. It gets heated and. They were getting pissed off because they couldn't they couldn't beat us. So, you know, Richie tried to take at liberties on Paris and Paris showed up. You know, it's huge. You know, who knows how that goes if Paris doesn't show up for that fight? You know, it kind of sends a different message. So, right. Um, that's one thing playing for Dale Hunter. You learn, you know, you do whatever it takes to win, and uh, you know, he, his record speaks for for that message for sure. Uh, Eight hundred plus wins in the OHL and how many championships? So, you know, we learned a lot from Dale. It was great having that leadership on the bench that's awesome yeah that's cool to hear so i guess just kind of one one question is do you find a difference like i don't know if you watch too much of the ohl now but did you ever find a difference from excuse me when you played versus like today's game oh it's much yeah way different i mean i watched some of the even old i think old five oh six my last year we watched some of the mem cup games yeah Mem Cup games had two line passes in it still. Um, the next oh, year, really? everything started opening up. Yeah. So that next year, the game started opening up. And then going back, I went a lot, I went back a lot after, you know, my junior career and watched, watched them in the offseason, you know, when our season was over. And the game's progressively gotten, you know, way much different. It's, it's much faster. It's much uh, way less physical, way less. Yeah. The hooking and holding was, it was amazing back then. And it's, it's different. It's a totally different game. So it's much more uh, puck possession now, and the physicality of it's way down. Okay. Do you, what I do, you, do you like the way it's gone? The I don't. We don't know. Like really, your mindset. Obviously, you're a skilled guy, but with the three fight rule, and like you said, it's a lot less physical. Do you like? Do you like the way it's gone, or do you like that physical aspect of hockey? Um, I think, to be honest with you, the physicality's gone down in a sense, but but the injuries are gone a totally different way. And my opinion on it is, it's way too fast. Boards aren't getting any wider or longer, and now everyone's going a lot faster. You get these collisions that are just un, they're unavoidable. You, get, you know, it used to be you get you know the hit and pin down in the corner would buy you three or four seconds for your player at the other end, and now you can't do that. So it's just flying, 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 and some of these hits are unavoidable. Guys coming through the middle, you got to take the body and wind up smoking them in the head. It's it's yeah. it gets really it's really fast. I think Bobby Orr had a piece on this the other day. And it's, I agree with him 100. I think it's getting really fast, without hooking and uh, without holdups. I'm going to say hooking, but without holdups and a little bit of running interference for your teammate, you're letting people fly in there. And I don't know. It's just 
it is getting fast. Guys are getting bigger, stronger. You see these 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Now they're, they're machines and they're, they're jacked and they're, they're basically little missiles. Yeah, uh, without being point. able to run interference on that, it's tough to save your defenseman or whoever's going back to get the puck or your guy coming through the middle. It's tough to uh, sort of anticipate something like that because it comes out of nowhere and it happens in the span of one, two seconds maybe. So I think it's it's somewhere, in the, I think it, in my opinion, I don't know how far that goes, but it's, it's more, there needs to be a conversation of what's a healthy balance of really high-end skill, which we have, and also you know, protecting the players. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I never yeah, really kind of thought of that way. Like, it's going to be crazy to see how, like, the game is 20, 30 years from now, like, to see if it changes at all, right? Like, just kids coming out like machines with any sport, like football, hockey. Like, it's it's going to be a whole nother level, I feel. Yeah, the training's gone a long way in off-ice and, and off-whatever, off-season training for other sports, it, it's come such a long way and, and advanced a lot. So it's now you put those, you put that muscle on a pair of blades and buzz around. And then, you know, it's, it's like I said, some of these hits are the guys are just trying to make hits. I don't think they're, I don't think they're maliciously trying to take each other's heads off. It's just literally it happens so fast. Yeah. Like you're thinking hit, hit, hit. And then you go to launch and you're already in mid launch and there's a guy and you're like, Oh, my shoulder's going to hit his head. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've already committed to it. And it happens so fast. The game is super fast. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, again, I, I don't know. I don't have an exact answer, but there needs. I think some interference needs to be let up a little bit. And the hidden pins are kind of they're more for safety valves than they are for. Yeah, that's a good you point. Maul, if you watch the old school like '90s games, like it's like mauling a guy, like two hands around him, bear hugging him, so he doesn't get out of the corner. That's a different yeah. story. I mean, there's again a conversation. There's, a, I think, there's a smart way to kind of manufacture some some rules no absolutely okay we only got 10 minutes left so we got to skip over your crazy 145 point season which is nuts if we ever get you on again we'll definitely hammer that in the world juniors we're just gonna breeze over but we want to get right into pro um we're trying trying to sum it up a little bit but basically my question is obviously you said the red flags kind of went up but you still have first rounder to edmonton um, what was the feeling like in Edmonton? Uh, you were lighting it up in the AHL and you still weren't getting many shots at the NHL. Was that really flush? What was, I'm just trying to pick your brain. Cause obviously we weren't really paying attention to the NHL at that time. We didn't, we don't know what was going on, but you were lighting yeah. it up. So we're, we're going to breeze through a couple of things. Obviously you're crazy 145 point season and under 60 games, which is just nuts. And your world juniors too, where you also did very well. If we ever get you on again, we'll definitely talk about those, but. We want to get into pro for the last little bit. And obviously getting drafted at Edmonton, you said some flags were up, went up, but still going first round 25th, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. 25th overall. And what, what was your sense there? And we weren't, we weren't watching the NHL too closely at that time. And uh, We don't know what was going on, but you were lighting it up in the AHL point wise, like your second year, 76 points in 78 games, and two games in the NHL. Was that pretty frustrating for you? Or were you, wondering why am I not playing the NHL right now? Do you really feel like you could? Because point-wise, we're looking at it like, why Why weren't you playing the NHL? Yeah, I think it hit a wall there, and it was really frustrating for me. You can see in the next year's totals, it really felt deflated and almost, uh, uh, yeah, like no hope kind of thing. Um, you know, everything, like I said before, hindsight's twenty twenty. how I'd react to it now is much how, different than how I'd react to it at 21 and not having been 
serve that kind of, uh, to me, what felt like failure. I didn't know how to handle it, didn't handle it very well, and it was frustrated, very frustrated. So for me, it was tough to, to keep a level head and, and just stay focused. For me, it just felt like it was, yeah, it just kept getting kicked down. You know, I get cut from training camp for like four years in a row. It just really got frustrated. So, um, yeah, it just kind of came to be one of those things where I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it showed my game the next year. I really had a down year. Um, but it was the biggest relief and uh what's the right word i guess the shot of hope for me was getting picked up by the islanders and it was just total clean slate and i could kind of learn from my mistakes with edmonton and had a chance to go forward and not have to answer the you know the questions all the time why aren't you in edmonton why aren't you making camp or why aren't you making a team out of camp and those kind of questions were i, I want to know the same answers but yeah, yeah. getting asked by reporters got kind of get sick of it but it was a clean slate and i really enjoyed that that chance to go take my, you know, take my game somewhere else and try to make a different team. Sure. And did you end up uh, just kind of getting not sick of North American hockey, but you just kind of hit that point too, where you're like, I need something new. And did that influence your decision to go overseas and go over to Europe? I got, so after my time in Atlanta, um, they asked, they offered a two way contract right away. And then, for me being a waiver pickup, I just read into it and they had no stock in me. I'm not a draft pick. I'm not anything. I was just a waiver wire pickup. And the first question was, would I take a two way? So that's kind of writing on the wall in my mind. And I, I figured go to Europe and have a good year, tear it up. That was my thought process, you know, tear it up and come back. Some guys have done that before, showed their game is valuable on, you know, a different style of hockey. Yeah. And that's really where it was at. That's the conversation my agent and I had, you know, a lot of questions about my skating, so to speak. And so I went to a league that had very good skating in Sweden and very good hockey. And that's, a, it's a in my opinion, it's probably the second best league in the world outside the NHL. Um, that was a really good league and try to come back. So that was the mentality. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything like sick of the hockey there. I just, I would say that I, I didn't want to be in the minors again. I, I wanted I had my time there. I felt like, and it was time to, you know, I wanted to be not riding those buses and, and playing that schedule. It's tough on the body, boys. It's it's you know three and threes all the time, and it's yeah, it's exactly. a grind. Yeah. Can't even imagine. Uh, tough league, and, it, and there's tons of value in the American Hockey League. Don't get me wrong, but I had my three years under. I think it's a buddy of mine said it one time. Uh, a buddy of mine said it one time too. It's one year. One year in the minors is really good for you. Two years is very beneficial. After three years, you start to go down. Like your games, and it might, if you see my chart, it was good, got better, and then I went straight down. Uh, it just you need a little bit of shot of life there to keep you going. And I got my progression was one game, two game, four games. So it wasn't you know didn't get that uplifting. Uh, you know, 20, 30 games in an NHL season. It just I didn't want to do that again. So I went over to Europe and tried to prove, you know, prove my game and prove that's, you know, I could keep up with any pace. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I got to play for Elf Samuelson, uh, Peter Forsberg and Marcus Naslin were the GM and assistant GM there. Okay. It was a great surrounding for hockey. Yeah. So just kind of wrapping up too, there's tons of stuff we could ask you, but obviously you played in a lot of different European cities and, um, was that just kind of like listen? Obviously, we've done our like we've listened to you on other podcasts and stuff. Was that kind of just you wanting new experiences and why not? And like uh, I'm trying to sum up all your Europe experiences in one, but 
um, did you really find like you found a home out there and obviously you're living there now. Do you, do you really find like you could settle down and how much nicer is it playing the, the less games? Like you said, you have those breaks, the, um, the national team breaks, right? Where you can yep. go on vacation. Um, how is it, is it really a much easier kind of lifestyle? Yeah. So it's like two games a week. It's a lot easier on the body. Um, you know, for me, I didn't find a home, so to speak. There's a lot of, in this time, the places that I went top, those top leagues, it's a lot of pressure on imports. So it's somewhere, even a couple of times I was the leading point guy in the team and it was still not enough. Um, so it's a lot of pressure. It's, you know, it's sometimes the pressure doesn't even make sense. You know, if you, you play well and score some points, it's, it's the local guys that played unreal. And then when you lose and you, and you have a point, it's what you should have played better. Um, so it's the pressure is kind of learning how to handle that and not let that bother you. you know, I mean, there's pressures no matter where you play at a high level. Um, so some of those places I play, I thought I played well, and it's just, you know, it wasn't a good fit. So, you know, travel around a bit. And, you know, for me, once you get going, I was kind of like, yeah, that's, you know, playing different leagues, learn different styles of hockey. I didn't, I didn't mind. Um, it was at that time that it was like, there's no chance of coming back to the show. So it's just kind of get as much experience as possible. And, yeah see the world um it was it was fun though we got sweden twice switzerland twice austria twice played a little bit in the del and uh khl so it was got the culture going yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that'll be awesome. our this will be our last question and you played 21 games for dynamo riga out in latvia right um in the khl i know you weren't in russia but is russia as crazy as they say and as you listen to and do you have any crazy experiences there not so crazy on uh, my, my, my end of it. I've heard some of these stories, even on Chicklets, about the gas and stuff like that. Nobody was on our team doing that, but it is why it's like the wild, wild west. The travel and the accommodation, and you're driving to some of these cities on the bus, and it's it's really tough. Uh, you know, places these cities are under. You know, it's very poor, and then there's a hockey rink, and you're playing. Driving through, it's almost depressing. You know, you kind of feel almost guilty. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was tough. The, the travel's tough. It's schedules bizarre. You travel three, four time zones, three time zones and play one game and then travel off somewhere oh, else. So it's, 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 it's a, a lot. tough week. It's wild, wild west. <laughs> but it's some of these other guys like Stapes, Tim Stapleton, those boys, they've had some, some of the stuff they've seen. I, I didn't have any part of that. I was only here four months too. So uh, it was a quick stint. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Okay. We'll let you go now. Obviously you got your dinner. Thank you so much. And we'd love to get you on at some point again too, if that's something you'd be interested in. So thanks so much for coming on. That'd be awesome. Thanks for your time, boys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you.